Hello. We want to thank you for joining our Living Messiah family by downloading this podcast. We hope it blesses you and enriches your life. We also want to encourage you, uh, if you can, and if your heart is so moved, to support this ministry by going on our website, livingmessiah.com, and donating to help us to put these podcasts in every nation, every place, so we can bring these messages to change lives, to help people grow in the Word of God. Once again, thank you so much for being part of our family. Shalom. All right, awesome. All right, let me open in prayer and we can uh, get into our study here. Father Yahuwah, we give you great thanks. Father, we thank you for another Shabbat. We thank you for this day. Father, we do delight to enter into it, to get grow closer to you and to one another. Father, we thank you that your words are true and that your words became flesh. He has dwelt among us, and he has given us grace and mercy, Father, and he is drawing us back to you. We thank you again for your son, Yeshua. Amen. All right, guys, yeah, same thing. Oh, real quick, if you haven't noticed, someone broke in last night and changed the furniture. Yeah. <laughs> so we're just going to go with it, right? That's how you can defeat it. So, um, but no, we had a wedding uh, yesterday, and congratulations to John and Rakaia Long. There are new, newlyweds here at Living Messiah, and we wish them the very, very best. So... Um, so as usual, um, uh, the mic will come around if you have any uh, comments or, 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 or questions. Just raise your hand and the mic will find its way to you. Uh, John has that mic today. And as usual, just make your, uh, try to make uh, the, uh, what we're talking about on point, you know, what we're, we're discussing, and uh, a brief as possible. Uh, what I'm going to try to do today is try to get through to the end of chapter 23, okay? So I might go speedily through it, all right? And because um, there is a lot here, um, but I think in some ways Messiah sums up a lot of this towards the end of the chapter, okay? Um, so then you can go back and compare stuff. So what we talked about like last week was context, how important it is to know the context of uh, what we're reading. Um, if not, uh, then we can get a wrong understanding applied uh, to our life or, and to our understanding or how we're viewing certain things and maybe misuse things as well. So this section in 23 after this, uh, this particular section of uh, chapter 23 towards the end, Yeshua, he's speaking to the crowds and his taught ones, and the, those crowds could involve with the Pharisees and Sadducees as well. But I want us to, what I was trying to point out, he's trying to teach us something. While he's disciplined or reprimanding somebody else, at the same time, we should always put ourselves in that position of that person, uh, that he's reprimanding, meaning if it's talking about the Pharisees or Sadducees or whoever, make that person you, because maybe Yeshua, maybe the, uh, Jesus, he's correcting something that needs to be corrected in you as well, okay? Because I think it's a, we, what becomes dangerous when we start to look at little people groups that we see, in, especially in the New Testament, and we kind of take ourselves out of that equation, you know, because oh, I'm not doing that particularly, you know. So yeah, always keep that in mind, and that's how we're going to grow. 
But here he's here what we were looking at or what I was trying to bring out, he's talking about relationships, especially relationships um, between uh, um, a fellow man and our creator, okay? Those are some of the highlights that we talked about last week. And a lot of that went, call no one your rabbi, call no one your teacher, call no one your leader. He wasn't saying that you can't use those terms. Don't, you know, and I give you my example, my father. He's not saying don't call your dad your dad, okay? What he was, that's not what he was talking about because he was getting to deeper things that, that, uh, that were actually, that he was, I mean, how do I say it? He was getting to what their purpose was. They were being motivating themselves. They wanted to become a, a teacher or a rabbi. And their motive to do that wasn't necessarily maybe the best in case because um, for, you know what, let me do this. Take for instance rabbi, okay? Because rabbi, yes, it gets translated as teacher. But Really, what rabbi literally means, it means great one, okay? And why it gets applied to a teacher, because one is great or abundant in knowledge or whatever. So it could very well be professor, too, because a professor is supposed to know, you know, abundant in that knowledge of what he's trying to teach, right? Okay? So in some ways, you could even say Messiah is saying, call no one your no one greater than you in, in that sense. Call no one your great one that you're going to follow to the point where that they have such authority over you that you, you're not taking your own personal authority that we saw. Yes, Barry. Um, John has the mic and it'll make its way over there. For, and for another one, we saw like father, you know. Go ahead, Barry. It, it, in my mind, it's a concept of we have, for instance, you and we have Mark. I'm going to show you and I'm going to show Mark respect as those who are in the place of, of teaching us. But and as an example, in Mexico, as, I've, as I lived in Mexico, they, they saw some of the teachers as being elevated. Mm -hmm. and and standing on on perch you know this is profe so-and-so and and it was it was more than a respect thing it was it was too much of say putting them on a pedestal of of um i i really i'm sorry i'm having a hard time explaining but it, it was a hired up kind of view rather than just showing respect yes yeah, and that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about that you don't give people respect and honor when it is due. Um, let's look at that a little bit. This, uh, for instance, whole idea of call no one your father or call no one your teacher, that type of concept. Um, what I have read back then is that you'd have a rabbi, okay, a teacher, and people would seek after to become a follower, a Talmudin, you're right, uh, a taught one from them, you know. So they would come to the rabbi, and the rabbi would say, uh, "I'm not sure, <laughs> you know. Follow me for a while, you know, and then maybe I'll choose you." Okay, then he would choose someone that would then become his disciple, right? 
But it got to the whole point to what happened in that relationship is the rabbi was the focus of everything. What the rabbi said is what the student did, which that sounds all good. But if you start to that the rabbi had more authority than the creator of the heavens and the earth, or the rabbi had more authority than maybe uh, the parents, now we got a real problem. That's where I, where I see a lot of these issues that maybe that, uh, that I see that Yeshua is addressing. Uh, don't be like that. Because if you really look, if you take that model, if that model is true from what sources I've read, you know, you had people seeking out to become uh, a rabbi, to be a, um, a follower, all right? So, and the rabbi picked them. So that was a, a, good, a great thing because not everyone became that. Not everyone could do that, all right? So that became a special thing. So, but then you take Yahshua, you take this other rabbi that comes up on, on the scene and he goes around, he has... Yes, I choose all of you. All of you come follow me. Come and do what I'm doing. Do what my father does. That's kind of different. You know, he invited everyone. The rabbi just, just picked certain people. Okay, so there was only this little chosen few that would really learn this walk. Where I just think that was amazing where Yeshua invites all. It doesn't, it, it doesn't matter. Okay, and like I said before, the relationship here, especially with the father, the you know, depending on the age, and that's what we should, uh, what we um, have here at Living Messiah. The parents, <laughs> any of us in leadership, we don't override parents because parents should be doing this in their homes. We're here. Any of us, all of us, should support. Um, you know, parents in where they're at, but we don't have the ultimate authority, and it's really not our job to teach them everything they should know about what is right and wrong. That should come from mom and dad. And I, I can get, I don't want to go too deep on that, but really in the, the text itself in Scripture, when you look at how it talks about raise up children, to raise up children in... Um, uh, teach them the way to go that we see and we pronounce. A lot of that in the Hebrew text is emphasizing the parents have the greater responsibility than the community to raise the children. Okay? So we do see that. So, so that's just some of the things to look at. So, so why I'm mentioning that, because you easily can say, call no one your rabbi and leave it right there. And, oh, I can't call any my, anyone my rabbi because it says, call no one your rabbi. That's not what Yeshua is talking about. John. So an example in uh, Catholicism, I, I'm guessing. That is a good if, one. If you wanted to say, well, I need to have someone give me last rites. Does it have to be someone called father to do that? I don't know. But is that an example of where... I would imagine that play, would play a part in... Or you can see that would play a part in this whole concept. He has authority, and you don't, because you're, you're not a father. In, in yes. And I see, don't know if that's true, but I'm just guessing. No, and no, I know what you mean, because you do have... And I think, ultimately, you, know, you have priests, you have rabbis, and all that. They, none of that overrides the authority that, all, that we all are under, and that's our creator, okay? None of that will, goes over that authority. Polly. 
I think this is also how we got to the place of a Sunday Sabbath because we allowed man to take the place of the authority and change mm. the instructions we were given in the beginning. No, that's also, a, I think that's we a do that great a example. A lot of times to Paul too, that Paul, we see Paul doing things, giving him authority to change basically our teacher, Messiah, who is the Torah. Yes. No, I, that's a great example. You know, so you can see how by doing that, giving up your own authority and giving it to someone else, how something can really go haywire and look uh, like that. We could end up also putting the Shabbat off to the side and all of a sudden man's commandment is above what the father set down, Melissa. Uh, I was kind of curious about how young the rabbis were making people because I was wondering if they're like older and you just decided to be celibate, like if you like leave your parents and become a husband and wife, their authority is not the same over you, but what if you never get married? Didn't that dynamic change anyways? No, I, well, I know there was, they, the bar mitzvah came in later on in history from what I was saying. As far as the age, I don't know what that age was where they would follow. I would just happen to look at it and, and actually John kind of pointed out, called me out where I was tending to, on the Catholic side, what little I do know there, the father, you know, they, they call him father and he overrides everything, maybe what the, you know, the, the real biological father says about certain things, you know, that's, but as far as age, I'm not really sure. I was like wondering, like by the time you're like 30, you're like, well, like, it kind of changed depending on the relationship with you maybe mm -hmm. because like your dad's still your dad, but, but if you're like separate. But even at an older age, there's other responsibilities regardless that, say, for the firstborn son would have to the family or whatever. All right? So if it gets older, he becomes a rabbi and listen to the other rabbis and say, no, you don't have to do that. You're excused from doing these other things because you're over here. You're, you're elite now or you're, you're special, you know? When, okay, there's other responsibilities. It doesn't matter how old you are or who you're under. I, that I know I have to do. You know, when it doesn't matter, you know, because that's what he says I have to do. No one else can come in and say anything different because that's what the text says, you know. That's um, Pat. Doesn't this have something to say about when a woman leaves her husband and moves back into her father's home, whether it's death or divorce or whatever, she's to live by his house rules, would it have something to do with living in their house more than living out by themselves? Yeah, I'm, I'm not really sure. And a lot of this, you know, to be quite honest with you, like we talked sometime, Pat, I don't know all the answers. I, I was able to search out X amount of things here, and that's where I want to tend, at least, <laughs> at least present the things I know we can talk about, and I have some kind of answers to, you know. But no, a lot of this, actually, you know, you have to do this. You have to go and research a lot of this out for yourself, you know. Uh, I think that's the important thing. So the one thing that we can gather from Elohim's teachings is the source of all authority, all fatherhood, all direction in our life. That has to be this very source. No man, me, Mark, or anybody else does not override that, okay? Now, we might have differences how we're going to walk that out and look at that, okay? But that 
it's kind of separate. It's one thing, uh, perfect point how Pauli turned out. It's like the Shabbat is the Shabbat. It's the seventh day, regardless of any pastor or community comes up with a new concept and says, no, we're going to change it, okay? So, so we can get through this. A lot of this is about the heart issue uh, that we really do see that. And Messiah kind of sums it up here in this section is um, who, and what he's trying to say here. Have, um, but the greatest among you shall be your servant. And whoever exalts himself shall be humbled. Whoever humbles himself shall be exalted. So what we can sum up here is this idea is... The, the point that he's trying to make here that our God, our creator, uh, he's looking for those, he's not, uh, what they wanted to do, what the rabbis wanted to do, they wanted to be exalted in front of men, okay? They wanted to be lifted up and given respect in front of men. Their motivation was that. But his point was to make known that um, those who are exalted are lifted up in Elohim's eyes are those who one who walk humbly, not only with the Creator, but with mankind as well. That's the very key uh, point here. So looking at all this in that context, you can, you can see that things can be misunderstood. At least that's how I see it. So, and, and going back again, this is about Moses, because remember, it all began about the seed of Moses. Moses was the most humble of all. Okay? Yes. Just to add some validity to what you're saying, so if we just look at the one word father, in the Tanakh, there's countless places where yeah. men called their earthly dad father, and even the Almighty said, you know, you will be gathered to your fathers. So he's using the same term, I and mean, he's calling some of the earthly men as fathers. So it doesn't mean like what you would, like you're pointing out, it doesn't mean what you think it means, it's talking about something else. Yes. Thank you. Thank you, Mark. So calling um, your rabbi, your teacher, your leader, it's not wrong. It's the motive behind wanting that position, okay? And most of the time, if you do find yourself in that position, because each and every one of you will find, you find yourself in that position from somebody else, humility should be right there with you, okay? So it's about uh, being, uh, being a, a servant, and we spoke about a lot of that before in the early parts of Matthew. So let's kind of move along here. All right, sister, go ahead. <laughs> well, I agree with Jerusalem and Ralphie. Um, fully looking at the context of it, he's teaching these people who, are, who have been following their so-called leaders the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and whoever else, the priests and stuff like that. Um, he's teaching them how to, how to be followers truly of the way, right? And even in this, and, and even in our society and in our times, you like, put yourself in his shoes. We have to learn how to be followers of his way. And I was just reading something today. He is the plumb line of truth. So everything that we do or we see other men or people doing, we should, uh, it should be bearing witness to him. Because like in verse, uh, I think two, it says, or three, for they say and do not 
do. Yes. So um, Yahushish telling them, I am doing my father's will. I am not only saying, but I am doing it. So be careful who you are following and who you are allowing to lead you. And it's basically what are the fruit of their works. And if the fruit of their works is of sincerity. So, yes, saying is important to an extent, but just understanding the full context is to not elevate another man above, you know, our Heavenly the Father. Yes. Above the Creator and making sure that we're completely in alignment with Him. So, Yeshua is telling them and showing them this is how this looks like. And like you were saying, these people wanted to be elevated, but Yeshua is like, I'm serving, I've come to serve. I've come to seek and serve that um, those who are lost, or seek and save those who are lost. But in this heart of servant, servitude, that in the manner in which he came, many people did not even see him as the chief cornerstone and rejecting him as Messiah because he did not come to be exalted. So, um, and so a lot of people just couldn't see him or did not choose to follow him, but he's actually given them practical applications of what it looks like to follow our Heavenly Father. And it doesn't look like the way man is showing you what it looks like, but it looks different. And today we have to be very careful of what it looks like when we're following Messiah. I mean, Yahuwah, what that looks like. And that, we're not, that we do not need, for instance, the Catholic way or the Judaism way or the Jehovah Witness way. But what does the word say? The word is the way. And that is how we're going to get to the Heavenly One. Yes. Thank you, sister. Thank you. So Matthew 23, as it goes on, we have... Um, here in Matthew, we have either eight or seven, depending on how you count them, woes. And we have, it's the same in Luke, where you only have six woes there. So I just want to really touch upon these real quick. I'll let you go first, and then we're going to kind of real speed through. Yeah, you do have to really do your own research, because several years ago, the queen tapped a beetle on the shoulder, and he's now a lord. Of what? Yeah. You know? So you have to be careful. You have to know who we're talking to. All right. Let me get, thank you. Let me get uh, through this. Um, so we got these woes. And um, what I want to do is kind of really go through them a lot because towards the end here, Messiah really will sum up all of these different woes in one way or another. Okay. So oh, woe to you, scribes and Pharisee, hypocrites, okay? That's another key word that he's using in combination here. Because you shut up the reins of the heavens, or the kingdom of the heaven, uh, before men, and you do, not, you do not go in, nor do you allow others to enter, to go in as well. And remember, the, the Sadducees and the Pharisees, they were looked at, the post, uh, looked at as the... The, the righteous and the holy leaders at the time, okay? But it doesn't mean that they were. Now, it doesn't mean that all of them were corrupt either, okay? Woe to you, scribes and Pharisee hypocrites, because you eat up widows' houses and for a show make long prayers because 
Of this you shall receive greater judgment. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you do um, because you go about the land and see to win converts. And when he is one, you make him a son of Gehenna, a son of the worthless. Okay, not necessarily. It's not hell. Okay. Uh, twofold, more than yourselves. That's the concept with Gehenna. It was a trash place where things were discarded. It has nothing to do with hell. So, so, so this shutting up must be, um, we're going to take it to us. How can we not do these same things, okay? Like I said, it's easy to look at the Pharisees. Oh, we don't do that. But, hey, there might be something here that we are doing exactly the same thing. So here's something to think about. We must be careful in um, hindering others to know the Messiah in the kingdom, okay? Now, that means we don't need to compromise who we are, but how we go about our life. I'm not saying you compromise your walk, but your attitude, how you are to other people, all right? Because if you are that light... In some ways, and how you come across to other people and how you treat other people, you're hindering them entering into the kingdom of heaven, okay? Because if, if you are the only one that they see and you're a miserable person, okay, or you, or you don't treat people right, then when you talk about God and you talk about Jesus, that's who, you're, that's who you are witnessing to. So they see you. They don't see him. They have no clue who he is, but they see you, and they say, well, if, that's, if you are like him, I don't want nothing to do with that kingdom. You see what I'm saying? So you can see how you can apply that, these things today and not just say, well, that's the Pharisees, and I am this. I'm not a Pharisee. Well, Okay, it's not about being a Pharisee, it's about doing what they were doing incorrectly or correctly is what we need to focus on. Barry? This, this translation, I have of verse 13, is, is more explicit of what you're saying. It makes it more clearly what you're saying. Um, but woe to you, hypocrites, poor teachers, and Pharisee, for you are shutting the kingdom of heaven in people's faces, neither entering yourselves nor allowing those who wish to enter to do, to do so. Yes. So you can see in that that's what it's meaning there. Or at least that's what you can take home and apply to yourself today and make it relevant. Yes, Paul. Making it relevant for today. I mean, we all have opinions about things, but the plumb line would be the Torah, the plumb line. And that's going to be the standard that you judge any teaching by. Uh, and, and even some of the things that we might say, okay, is this a gray area out there or whatever? It's when, when you start talking about, okay, is it really teaching the Father's heart? Are we following the pattern of loving our neighbor? And are we following the pattern of loving Yah? with all our strength and our might. And then if it goes contrary to that, for example, you, you mentioned last week about you know various things about the seat seed, whether it's this long or that long, or whether it's braided this way or that way. If I was making it a point to debate you on these kind of issues or anyone on some of these issues, that would not be loving at all. That would be following a pattern after my own heart. Pharisees had traditions, oral traditions, and they became precedent 
to the point where the heart of the matter, the heart of the Torah was no longer being the plumb line and they were ignoring all the the meaning and the weightier things about what it was there for. Uh, that's correct. Thank you, Paul, because we're going to see that. It's interesting you're getting to that because that's perfect of what the point where Messiah really is going to bring us. You know, and this um, other thing, um, saying that you don't have to compromise who you are, okay? And Luke, I had brought this up before, and Yeshua increased in wisdom stat, uh, and stature, okay? And in favor with Elohim and men. So it's possible. Now, I know, yes, they crucified him, and there's people who didn't like him, but he was able to have favor with man and with his Elohim. He could walk that path. There's where we need to seek out and do, okay? So, and winning converts, this is interesting here. I was thinking, think about this. If you have really a bent faith, okay, that's how I would describe it, if you have a bent faith or it's based on like this self-righteousness, okay? And let's take this to a community setting. If a community's like that, who, who do you think they're going to attract? They're just going to attract more that are just like that, okay? And I'm speaking more to the messianic community at large um, on that one. So if you're behaving this way and a community's behaving this way, you're just going to attract more people that are going to be just argumentative, wanting to bicker about everything else, and never really getting down to loving one another and walking this out. So um, this section is just, it's, I'll just read it. Uh, Woe to you blind guides who say, whoever swears by the dwelling place, it, it does not matter. But whoever swears by the gold of the dwelling place is bound by oath, fools and blind. For which is greater, the gold or the dwelling place that's, uh, sets, um, that's, uh, sets the gold apart? And whoever swears by the altar, it does not matter. But whoever swears by the gift that is on the altar is bound by an oath, fools and blind. For which is greater, the gift or the uh, altar that, is, that sets the gift apart? He that who swears by the altar swears by it and by all that it is upon it. And he who swears by the dwelling place swears by it and by him who is dwelling in it. And who swears by, by the heaven swears by the throne of the Elohim and by him who is sitting upon it. So I'll just give you a real short form. Don't swear to things that you're not going to follow through. Okay? Don't give your words and don't follow through. Okay? Don't oath to Elohim and think especially to Elohim and don't follow through. Make it yes or no. That's Messiah simplified that one so easy. Okay? As we go on here, woe to you, scribes, uh, Pharisees, hypocrites, because you tithe mint and uh, anus and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the Torah. Here it is, the right ruling and the compassion and the belief, the trust, the faith. These need to have been done without neglecting the others. Blind guides, straining out a gnat and swallowing a camel. Woe to you. That still comes real clear, doesn't it? 
that's Bible language, right? Straining out a gnat and you swallow a camel. You can get that picture quite clear. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you clean the outside of the cup and the dish, and the inside they are filled with plunder and unrighteousness. Blind Pharisees, first clean the, mis- uh, the inside of the cup and the dish, so the outside of them become clean too. That's it's interesting. Get your spirit right. So the, you know, so the outside will be that way. Or physically do what you say. Physically do the commandments, and that will show you what's on the inside. It's, it's interesting there. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you, like, um, you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly indeed look well, but inside are filled with dead man's bones and all uncleanness. So, you too outwardly indeed appear righteous to men, but inside you are filled with hypocrisy and lawlessness. See, Messiah is really bringing all this down. This is the sum of the issue, okay, that he started in the beginning of the chapter, if you remember, all right? The right ruling and the compassion and that faith and the trust. That's what he was... uh, was emphasizing that was lacking, okay? These need to be done without neglecting the others. So first of all, the compassion, the truth, okay? Having that faith, following the commandments, those need to be there first. Then the traditions can come alongside. But when the traditions override any of those things, we have a problem. And like I said many times, traditions aren't wrong, okay? It's just how we t- go about them, okay? All right? Or what place we put them in the shelf, okay? If they're on the top shelf and his commandments are on the bottom shelf, we've got to flip that bookcase around, okay? These need to be done without neglect as the others, as it's stating here. Traditions, okay? But if they get in the way of producing compassion and faithfulness and mercy and those things, then there's real issues again. So nothing should come before what is written, okay? Because the fault isn't in what is written. Now, those key words I have highlighted, that phrase there, You are filled with hypocrisy and lawlessness. Now, this should be to anyone who's studying Scripture. We can we use lawlessness, but the word really is Torahlessness, not having Torah. Either way, any we can go by any kind of Christian theology here. At the end of this, he's pointing out not having law. uh, You know, this was the issue that was being talked about from the beginning of chapter twenty-three. All right, so it's none of these other things, okay, because you are filled with hypocrisy and lawlessness, not having the Torah. So, so he can't be condemning them for doing the law of Moses and Messiah's done away with it and all of a sudden, at the same time, condemning them because they don't have it, you know, or they're not doing it. It's like, okay, you got to make your Jesus make up his mind which way he's going to go here, okay? You do. So, so what is being pointed out here, this lawlessness. So 
the law is not the problem. The Torah is not the problem. It's the people. The individual people are the problem and how they're walking it out or how they're behaving, okay? And guess what? We are no different than them. Because if we look at the Pharisees behind the titles, behind everything, who are they? They're a human being just like you and I with frailties, issues, and problems just like us. So ultimately, Yeshua is talking to all of us, <laughs> okay? He's not talking to just the Pharisees here. We can't take ourselves out of that equation. Paul. I think that when, when you start looking at the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the class structure, uh, man tends to elevate oneself. We can, if we allow pride to enter in and thinking that we have something unique and special because all of a sudden we've come out We've been called out, we're set apart, and now we're following the Torah, and we are following Hebrew roots, and we think, wow, we're unique, we're special, we're set aside, and yes, technically, we are called out, but mm -hmm. the pride part is where all of a sudden now we can elevate ourselves and think and change our attitude toward our brothers. Like you said, we're human, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, we're human, and they allowed that privilege of serving to become something that it was not intended to be, so that they looked down on anyone who wasn't in that same position. Yes. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you, Paul. So something else I, I saw here. So Messiah is ultimately saying he's um, finger-pointing uh, at the Pharisees and the Sadducees and telling his followers... Don't be hypocrites and follow the Torah. Don't be lawlessness. Okay? So what would that mean today? That would mean today anyone who throws away the Torah, right, or the law and puts it off to the side, you're a Pharisee by the text, what it just said, Messiah says, because they were not doing it. And he's calling them without... Torah, all right? Does that make sense? Am I making sense there? Let me say, let me reword that maybe. The issue Messiah is saying they're hypocrites and they're not following the Torah. He's summing that up. And by not following the Torah, you're disregarding it and putting it off to the side, okay? So any kind of, any other institution that comes along and does that same thing, puts the Torah aside and say, you don't no longer need to do that, that's a Pharisee then, because that's who he's condemning. Okay? Does that, maybe that doesn't make sense. Maybe that needs to wallow around a little bit. Anyhow, I'll try. <laughs> Go ahead, Barry, and then we'll continue on. Me not making any sense. No. Well, actually, it made real good sense when you said you need to have your Jesus make up his mind, which is he doing? Is he following the Torah, or is he put aside the Torah, or is the Torah to be followed? That's yes. what you said just about five minutes ago. No, it's, so. thank you, because I'm just seeing right here, Messiah is condemning them for not following the Torah, not being lawlessness, okay? So anyone that is doing the same thing, putting the law off to the same side, would be then a Pharisees according to their theologies, okay? And you don't want to... 
It's a, uh, forget it. Because <laughs> um, we know anyone who breaks this, uh, we read this in Matthew earlier. So uh, Messiah also says in Matthew 5, truly I say to you, the heavens and the earth are not going to pass away, not one jot or tittle, not any of this. I have not come to destroy the prophets or the Torah or the law. I have not done that. I have come to show you how to walk that out. So Messiah did not throw this away. Uh, and that's why it's important. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to try to find the scripture so you didn't have to go back a few slides. When you had the slide up where it said, call no man rabbi, mm -hmm. can you pull that one up again? That one? I think that's the one. Where it says Messiah is your teacher. There's two oh, of them, two places. Okay. For one, okay, so 10, neither be called leaders, for one is your leader, the Messiah. And it said, but one is your teacher. One is your teacher. Okay, verse 8. So one is your teacher, Messiah, and you are all brothers. So the only one that is our teacher that he's referring to is Messiah, is the Word of God. So basically, he's connecting Messiah to the Word of God. They're one and the same because there's only one teacher. Messiah is the only one that's the teacher. And you're reading out of Messiah each and every day when you open up the scroll on Shabbat. Amen. However... Messiah standing right here in front of you as you are going on now to the point you are making on your last slide you have up there. You teach about Messiah, yet Messiah stands right here in front of you and you find fault in the very Messiah that you're teaching about mm -hmm. as I'm in living form here in front of you. So, you know, basically you're a hypocrite and all that your last slide had just pointed out. Yes, thank you, Polly. And it's, I got to tell you, in my notes, because uh, he does say that uh, in verse 8, he refers to the Messiah. And in verse 10, he refers to the Messiah. And I didn't want to get in. I'm, I think you did a great job pointing that out because there's so much more there, him saying that, you know, out of the blue, you know. So, but no, thank you, sister. But that's something for you guys. Go back. Why is he, why did he say that? like that, you know? There's, there's a lot there. Um, but thank you, sister. So let me find out where, where. we talked about the hypocrisy. The, the, the Torah wasn't the problem. Messiah said this plenty of times. So all this was spoken to us so we can learn from this. We have, like I said, we all have the same frailties. Um, as them back then as we are today. To, to follow the Torah with humility, compassion, trust, and guard those commandments, you know another way you could say, that's the will of the Father. <laughs> that is his will for your life. All right? Just like Paul says. Now listen to what Paul has to say here. I have to, because we got to bring Paul in here every once in a while. That way it, you know, 
helps from people squeezing out to one corner or the other, right? And I, you guys know what I'm talking about there. So Romans 11, if some of, uh, so if some of the branches were broken off and you, being a wild olive tree, have been grafted in among, among them and become, and become to share, uh, uh, share the root and the fatness of the olive tree, do not boast against the branches. And if you boast, remember, you do not bear the root, but the root bears you. It's kind of interesting here. You shall, um, you shall say then, the branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. And I'm mentioning this because a lot of what I've heard in the past and been under, the Pharisees were bad, the Jews are bad, they've been broken off. And now new branches have come to the tree, okay? And that's just not the case. Um, the branches were broken off that I might be grafted in, okay? Goodbye. By unbelief, they were broken off. Why were they broken off? Unbelief, not following, okay? And you stand, you stand here then in belief, do not be arrogant, but fear. That's what Paul's saying. Now here I have this, this is in another translation. It's quite so. They were broken off um, on the makor or the basis of no emua or emua, no faith, no trusting. But you stand only by that, tra by that faith. Do not, uh, do not cherish proud thoughts, but fear. For if Elohim did not, did not spare the natural branches, he might not spare you either. So here's a way, um, in some ways, and I'm basing this on a lot of theologies that I read that come out me. We are the new, new uh, believers. The Jews didn't accept Messiah, and now we are those new branches that are in, Okay. That's out there a lot of times. Well, according to what Paul says is you better not do the same darn things because you guess what? If that's what he did to the natural, he's going to turn around and cut you out, okay? You who've been grafted in if you, don't, if you do the same stuff. So they were cut off because they did not believe. They did not do the Torah. They were cut off. So if you're going to be grafted into this new tree, and do the same behavior, you can be expected to be cut right out of that, that tree as well too, okay? It's very clear on that. I think I'm gonna, um, it's 2.15, so let me, this next part I do wanna focus on a little bit more. I thought we could get through all, but I will return to this next week because this is really, really kinda cool because, um, and then I can sum up a lot of things because next week, this next part, it has to do with identity is a very, very important thing. If you don't have a, a particular identity on how you, who you view yourself or who, what you think you should be doing, then this can be very misunderstood. But my, my intention, I'll read it. I'll read it and next, next week we can look at it. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you... You build the tombs of the prophets and decorate the, uh, decorate the monuments of the righteous. And you say, if we had lived in the days of our fathers, we would have not taken part 
with them in the blood of the prophets, of killing the prophets. Thus you bear witness against yourselves that you are the sons of those who did murder the prophets, and you shall uh, fill up the measure of your fathers. Serpents, brood of adders, how will you escape the judgment of the Gehenna, or that trash pit that burns forever? Okay? So we'll continue this next week because these are very important. What I want to do is bring it to a reality to each of us how we can walk this out and see this for ourselves in our daily walk and not become the same thing, okay? Father Yahweh, we give you great thanks, Father. We thank you for your words. We thank you for your guidance. Be with us today, Father. May it be pleasing um, of our worship towards you, Father. We welcome your spirit here. We thank you for your forgiveness and your love and your mercy you've shown us. Father, be with us today, and we thank you because you're your son, Yeshua. Amen. Thank you guys for your time, and next week we'll finish, we will next week finish chapter 23 for sure. I guarantee it. So, Shabbat Shalom, all of you.